welcome to log on at 11 Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current COVID season. Uh, we're going to follow what has become our regular pattern, uh, following a little liturgy. If you have a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I shall say on my own. If you're following on the screen, then everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust, and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference, and have been indifferent to those in need. Forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves. Forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Hello, good morning. In recent weeks, Kevin has been talking about how we share the good news of Jesus's love for everyone with the people that we meet day to day. We also thought about this at home group in our Lent sessions where we used ideas from the book by Hannah Steele called Living His Story, this book. Notice that it's living his story, not telling his story. It's very important that we walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Our lives should be lived out in every way, like Jesus's life was lived, and match up with the values and ideas that we may talk about. All of these thoughts and ideas remind us that we don't need to be super special Christians to share what we believe. We just need to be honest about how God's love through Jesus has made a difference to us. And then to be ready to talk about it as enthusiastically and as naturally as we might talk about our favourite TV programme or a brilliant new book or a brilliant new band that we've just discovered. Imagine we do get enthusiastic, even though we're very British. In the Bible, we see Jesus himself talking to people in the community around him with plenty of enthusiasm. But another key thing to notice is that he doesn't just talk to the people who look like him, sound like him or think like him. He takes time to talk to and to love everybody he meets even those that we would call his enemies, or those who we might think were not worth his time. The Samaritan woman at the well 
who's mentioned in our reading today, is an example of this. Tomorrow, May the 10th, sees the start of Christian Aid Week. And Christian Aid are an organisation that also seek to love everybody that they can. Not just people like us, but especially people for whom life is not fair and who suffer from injustice, poverty and the effects of climate change. In a moment, while you watch the film about Florence that Christian Aid have produced, please consider if you could give them a gift of money or pray for their work this coming week. Also, see if you can think of one person who you wouldn't normally speak to and go out of your way to be kind to them this week. Who knows, maybe it could be the start of a relationship that lets you share the story of how Jesus has changed your life with them one day. The reading is taken from John 4, verses 27 to 42. Jesus had just told the Samaritan woman at the well that he was the Messiah. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests, a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have re reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Well, friends, third in our series of uh, sharing good news, um, basically sharing our faith uh, with those around us. Remember. I don't want you to do anything unusual. I don't want you to do anything scary. Uh, I don't want you to do anything uh, that is difficult or hard. All I want you to do is share your story. I want you to live as though the gospel were true. Uh, and, you know, I've, I will say again what I've said previously, whenever, you know, I've used that 
catch-all phrase. Um, love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. That's all I want you to do. And I want you to be ready to be able to say why you love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and why you're loving your neighbour as yourself. Uh, that's all I want you to do. So who do you know? Nobody. I don't know anybody. <laughs> of course you don't. Um, I don't know anybody either. But just stop for a minute and think. Family? Most of us will have somebody, I think. Most of us. Uh, friends? Hopefully. One or two. Um, if you're at work, you'll have colleagues. If you're studying, you'll have fellow students. Um, what about leisure? What do you do for fun? Um, if you're a parent of young children, school gate. Do you belong to social club? Do you belong to other societies? What about the gym? I had a really interesting conversation with someone at the gym that I go to when, you know, pre-COVID. Um, interestingly, I'd, I'd just done uh, the Remembrance Sunday parade in Fenny at the War Memorial. Uh, I always sit in the same place when I go to the gym to put my gym shoes on. Uh, and there's three or four fellas that all sit in the same place around me. And as I was putting my shoes on, the fellow next to me said, um, are you a clergyman? And I said, I am. How do you know that? Is it, you know, is there a halo? And he just said, no, I saw, uh, I saw some video on a Facebook page and I thought it was you. Uh, yeah, it was me. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, I, that's the last place I expected to have a conversation about church and about God and stuff like that. It wasn't much more than that. It was just basically the acknowledgement that I was a clergyman. So the door is open now when we <laughs> eventually can get back, uh, maybe, uh, for him to ask me something else or for me to be able to comment on something from a Christian perspective who knows it's amazing isn't it we don't know anybody but we do really um maybe actually you you have been around the church for a long time maybe like me you've been a Christian for years and years uh, and all of your social life and all of your you know uh, all of your contacts are actually church people um it would be a mistake to think that everybody that comes to church stuff is already a Christian because that's not true. There'll be quite a few folk that attend or are on the fringes of church that have not made their minds up yet. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're one of those, then I'm very glad you're still around and I'm very glad you're accessing this service. Um, and I'm, I hope, you know, as, as time goes on, you'll continue to take steps towards God until you you have found uh, and discovered what 
so many of us have, uh, and that is that you're loved by God and you're loved by us too. Um, but if you, you know, if all of your contacts are, you know, church people, maybe, maybe one of the things you might like to do as an intentional thing is think about joining a club or a society, you know, something that you're interested in and, and that you would like, um, just to broaden your circle somewhat, um, widen the circle of people that God has called you to love. Perhaps that's something for you to think about. Uh, and I think you're, you know, with each of the groups that I've mentioned, you, you would take a different approach in terms of sharing your story. I mean, family, for example, you may not need to say much to family. They'll, they'll know um, pretty well what you think. And they'll know, they'll know what you believe, actually, not, not because you say anything to them, but just because of the way that you behave around them and the way that you live your life. Uh, and in fact, family is, is one of the hardest places to witness there is because you, you aren't putting on a front with them as you are sometimes uh, with other groups that you might belong to because in your other groups, you're there for a limited time and you're able to come away. And there is always, there's always a public face and a private face for all of us. We're all like that. Um, but of course, your family see you in your private moments. They see you all the time. And they know really whether or not you believe what you say you believe. They know because of the way that you behave around them all the time. And they know because of the way that you are and the things that you say when nobody from outside is looking at you. So family is one of the hardest places, I think, uh, to witness. But nevertheless, it, it is one of the most fruitful. Because if there is a consistency in the way that you live, that's very attractive, actually. Very attractive to those that are watching. Um, it's one of the things that I became very aware of when I was in the army. Uh, people are very impressed when they see authentic Christianity lived out in front of them. Um, I'm not breaking any confidences or, or telling tales out of school if I say to you some chaplains um, were respected because there was a consistency in the way that they lived and the things that they professed and things they said you know, in church parades and uh, and field services and on other occasions when they were expected to be very explicitly Christian. Um, but because we lived amongst soldiers and went on operational tours with them and on exercise with them, they saw us when we weren't being the professional Christian. They saw us as, you know, the padre and the, the, just the man or the woman uh, who was among them to try and help them and encourage them and befriend them. Um, those of us that were able to live consistently did far better than those who it was quite clear there was some dissonance. Uh, so, you know, I would never despise the life lived as witness. Uh, I think a life lived in the light of the gospel 
uh, is extremely powerful. Um, just living as though the gospel were true, as we said right at the very beginning of this. That's a very powerful tool. And uh, I would encourage you to continue to live as though the gospel were true. Um, but I think you will take a different approach with each each group. Family, as I say, is a particular thing. Um, your friends uh, have a particular expectation about you and are aware of you and they they like you. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't be your friends, would they? Uh, so that's, you know, that's a useful group of people um, to share your story with when when they're ready to hear it. Um, and again, you know, you'll take a particular approach with people like that. Uh, work colleagues, those you study with, um, again, they'll be there'll be a, an approach that will be appropriate and helpful. Uh, and interestingly, very often when people are in difficulty, they will look for Christians to come and talk to. They will look for Christians to take on the responsibility of praying for them and their situation. And we've seen that certainly uh, in recent weeks and months with work colleagues asking folk to pray for their particular situation when there's been very severe illness. Um, so continue to do what you're doing, friends. You know, live, live your life. Live as though the gospel were true. Uh, and, you know, just think about how you would tell your story in each of those spheres of influence, circles of contact that you've got. Uh, and the starting place is always love, isn't it? I mean, that great evangelical, you know, the, the verse that all evangelicals everywhere around the world love. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will never die, but have eternal life. The motivation for God is love. For God so loved the world. And that's our motivation too. That's what should motivate us to share our story. Um, this is what Jesus means to us. This is why we think, you know, Jesus is so important. Um, so if you if you don't love uh, people, what's wrong with you? <laughs> because we, we surely. You know, when you realise how loved you are by God and that that love is available not just to you, but to everyone everywhere. That that motivation must surely strike something in us, spark something in us to make us want to live appropriately and be ready to say appropriate things when the opportunity arises. Surely. So the starting place is love. Um in that little piece that we read from John's Gospel earlier, the, Jesus encountering the woman at the well, I think, what a beautiful little story that is on so many levels. Um, there's a woman who, uh, <laughs> my grandmother would probably say, no better than she ought to be, and was no, known to be that. Um, going to draw water from a well at a time of day which was not common for people to go and draw water, for women to go and draw water. Why is she going then? Because 
well, she has a reputation in the village, and people aren't they they don't like what they perceive her to be. Uh, and there's this man at the well, and that's tricky. And what is his opening gambit? Give me a drink. That's common ground, isn't it? They're by a well. It's where you go to get water to drink. He forms a link with her carefully and he makes himself vulnerable. Could have got his own drink, couldn't he? <laughs> uh, but there she is. And a conversation develops and grows and she asks a theological question and he responds and he asks her questions and there's a lot of very good back and forth beautiful uh, example of um, listening speaking being attentive um, asking the right questions we'll, we'll touch all of that as we're trundling through this we'll see um, but he makes himself vulnerable, Jesus, doesn't he, to this woman? And he knows about her. He knows what she's like. And he knows what her reputation is. He makes that clear as the conversation unfolds between them. Um, in fact, we, we pick up the conversation halfway through in our reading when the disciples come back. Um, but interestingly, you know, Jesus makes himself vulnerable in the first instance. Um, just by saying to her, please give me a drink. Um, what would it mean for us to be vulnerable? Well, I think certainly it means acknowledging that we don't know all the answers. I mean, this is one of the reasons that people feel scared about uh, witnessing, about speaking about their faith, because someone might ask them a question and they won't know what the answer is. Well, you won't know the answer to every question that's going to be asked. And the, the best thing to do when someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer is to say actually I don't know I'll try and find out um, sometimes people ask questions because they're genuinely interested in the answer sometimes they ask them just to fob us off and because they're not really interested in they or they just want to wind you up and uh, that happens from time to time don't worry about it you just let the thing lie leave it if people are not interested in hearing your story if they're not interested in hearing about what you've got to say about God and about Jesus, that's fine. Don't try and make them, just leave them. Love them anyway and leave them to do whatever it is they want to do. And if you can continue in being alongside them in that, well, all well and good. If not, then you can't. Um, we won't know all the answers, I mean, but this is about being alongside others as they explore who Jesus is and as they explore what faith is. I mean, the, the Alpha model, um, which I've used, I mean, I've, I've been engaged with Alpha courses for yonks now. I've done other things as well. Um, the ones that work best, the, the, the approaches that work best are the ones that help those that we're speaking to express their own interest and their own questions, their own thoughts, their own spirituality, if you like. Um, the, the small group 
piece around alpha works really well for that. You know, Nikki Gumbel or someone else will do the presenting. They'll they'll present the theme for the evening, and then you break down into your groups around tables or wherever you are. Uh, and it's for everyone to say what they think then, and what is their view, and what do they think, and and how do they come to that view. Um, you know, to let people speak, to value them for who they are, to value what they say, and to take them seriously, and to take their questions seriously, because in an alpha setting, everyone that's there is there because they want to be there. They're not going to, well, one or two might actually mischievously want to try and knock the thing off track. Um, but by and large, most people are there because they want to be there, because they've got some significant questions about faith and whether or not it's real and why why should I be bothered about it? Um, remember, you know, when we're alongside people trying to help them explore faith, it's not about winning an argument. None of this is ever about winning anything apart from the person uh, that we're talking to and listening to for God. It's not about winning an argument. Interestingly, Je Jesus listens as well as speaking. I mean, the woman at the well, she has got questions about um, the well. You know, this is Jacob's well, Sychar. Um, it's important to Samaritans. Um, you Jews say we should worship somewhere else. We say it's here. What You know, what's the most important? Um, it's a two-way thing. It's a conversation back and forth. Um, Jesus knows how to ask good questions, doesn't he, as well? That's that's interesting. Um, he says to the woman, doesn't he, go and, go and call your husband. I haven't got a husband. No, you haven't. But interesting how the, the conversation moves and ebbs and flows and changes. I like Hannah Steele um, when she talks about Jesus and Jesus and questions. Um, she says in the New Testament, uh, Jesus gets asked about 180 questions and he directly answers less than 10. <laughs> uh, what an interesting statistic that is. When I get time, if I ever get time, I'll have to read the Gospels looking for those. Uh, apparently Jesus asks over 300 questions. That's interesting. Um, sometimes people will ask us questions when we're talking about our faith. Uh, and often, as I was saying, sometimes you wonder, are they just doing that to derail the conversation because they're fed up or bored or, or trying to wind us up? The only way you'll know that is by asking a question of your own. Very often people will bring up the problem of suffering. Uh, that turns up very regularly. You know, how can a loving God allow suffering? Uh, it's something the church has been wrestling with for as long as the church has been around. And there are all sorts of possibilities in terms of answering. Um, none of which may satisfy But it's worth being aware of that question 
and what would be the right response? Well, you could talk about, you know, this is all a consequence of sin. I mean, people make their own choices now. They're free to choose one way or the other. And sometimes we choose things that are bad for us. And so as a result, bad things happen. It's not God's intention, but, you know, it's, it's a consequence of our free will and poor choices that we've made. But again, you know, if, if you've got a relative that's ill, that doesn't help at all. So a possible response when someone says, well, how can a loving God allow suffering? Why is the question of suffering uppermost in your thinking right now concerning God? Oh, well, my husband, my wife, my partner, my child is ill with cancer. That will take the conversation somewhere else altogether, won't it? And where do you go with that? Well, you pray, don't you? Uh, I've always been profoundly grateful uh, that Jesus stood outside the tomb of his friend Lazarus and cried. He knows what it's like to lose a friend, to be bereaved, to love someone and lose them. So to be able to say to someone, can I pray for you? Sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no. Um, Praying with someone is an immense privilege, isn't it? So to say to someone, can I pray for you now? And for them to say yes, is an amazing thing. Wonderful privilege. Uh, and then to be able to say to God, you know, if someone has lost a child, to talk to Father God, whose son dies on a cross, to pray with someone who's lost a friend or a family member, someone they've loved. To be able to pray in the name of Jesus, who knows what it's like to have lost a friend in Lazarus. Immensely powerful things. And it's part of our loving these people. Just loving them. And it doesn't matter if you don't get to the end of what you want to say doesn't matter. Our loving the people who are in front of us, our being attentive to their story, will take us maybe to a different place, and that's fine. And nothing is lost in God's economy. Just to be able to be with them, to listen to them, to acknowledge their pain and their grief and their suffering, and to offer all of that to the God who cares for them deeply either in their hearing or later uh, away from them. Because if they say no, please don't pray for me. Just to say, well, I won't pray for you now, but later. <laughs> in my own prayers, I will just mention you before God's throne. And I'll pray that you might know peace, even in the midst of all of this. It's something, isn't it, that we can do? And I, I notice... Um, that Jesus' conversations are, they're all restorative. This is to use Hannah 
Steele's language, Jesus' conversation, it's all restorative, they're all full of grace. Uh, and that's how we should be with those that we're seeking to witness to, just to talk to them, to encourage them to take a step nearer to God, to help them know that they are loved. This is all that we want, isn't it? We just want them to know that they're loved by God and that they're loved by us. Um, so that's the tone of everything that we say. It's the tone of how we live our lives amongst folk. You know, you are loved. That's all we want them to know, isn't it? I wonder how you might help someone to discover that for themselves this week. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to pray for your world. We give you thanks for the G7 summit which has happened in the UK in these past few days. We pray that all the conversations that have gone on between uh, ministers and uh, diplomats will have proved to be fruitful and will have benefit not just for our country but for the wider world. We pray for all those who have lost loved ones in the Mexico metro train crash. Holy Spirit, will you please do your work as comforter in these days. We continue to pray for the great nation of India, uh, so overwhelmed right now by the COVID pandemic. We continue to pray that international aid will arrive in a timely fashion and that those on the ground will know how to distribute efficiently what's coming their way. We pray for the people. Uh, they have so many links with our country, trade and family, and in other ways too. Oh, please, Lord, uh, enable us to be the right sort of neighbour, the good neighbour that India needs right now. Uh, we continue to pray for UK-European Union relationships. Uh, we haven't heard much about that uh, of late, up until very recently with this dispute around uh, the Jersey fishing rights. Uh, we hear all sorts of inflammatory language and it concerns us, Lord. We pray for cool heads in the European Union, in France, in Jersey and in the UK. Um, we pray that uh, there will be an open and honest dialogue about what is required and that those things which need to happen <clears throat> to enable uh, fishing to open up again for those who are entitled, <clears throat> entitled to fish in those waters should happen sooner rather than later. And we pray for all those who uh, offered themselves uh, as councillors, uh, police and crime commissioners uh, across England and for the Welsh and Scottish assemblies. We pray, Lord, uh, that you will have brought to the fore those that you want to serve in this way. For those who have been successful, we pray that they will remember that they are there to serve and we ask that they will serve and that they will serve well to the best of their ability and their service will bring real benefit to the local communities that they represent. We pray for our friends, for Chris, Ken, Adrian and Hugh, 
Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret, Peter, Denison, Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Andy, Thelma, Richard, Naomi. Lord, please be all that our friends need in these days. Draw near and bless them, we pray. We gather up all of our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.